What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Live series. This episode's guest is Doc Coyle uh, of Bad Wolves of the X-Men podcast, uh, formerly of God Forbid. However you know Doc Coyle, you know that he is a great guest, you know he's a great host, someone who's very well-spoken and articulate, um, and someone that really, you know, is a pleasure to have on the show and just, you know, someone that I truly admire uh, in the format of public speaking, basically. Um... This whole thing kind of was just, you know, like a lot of these are, very loose. I uh, had no agenda initially. Um, but then, you know, right out the gate, we kind of got a little serious with uh, some of the stuff that we're, we're touching on. And uh, I know we don't really talk a whole lot about, you know, political things or kind of, uh, you know, some of... The just really some heavy shit. Uh, typically, we don't necessarily bring up on the show. We try to keep it lighthearted, make this kind of an escape for everybody. Uh, but unfortunately, you know... No, fuck it. Not even, unfortunately. Um, this was just something that I guess I needed to say, something I, I wanted, I guess, to talk about. And, uh, you know, Doc is happy to oblige. And then we got into, you know, the you know the last dance, you know, the, the documentary on the Bulls' last title run. Had my good friend uh, Mike Shulara, uh, formerly of Light the Torch, still of Extinction AD and This Is Hell, um, pop in and surprise Doc. Um, he joined us for, like, the last hour or so that we were kind of bullshitting. Um you know, so it's it's kind of real loose, uh, and adding the extra person kind of helped, uh, you know, kind of throw in some jokes at times and so forth, uh, you know, with Mike and uh, Doc touring at one point. Uh, Doc was actually playing guitar for um, the Mark Morton band, uh, the solo project that he put out, and uh, Mike was touring with Like the Torch, who were opening that, uh, that run of shows. So it was kind of cool, you know, getting to, to kind of put those two together, and uh, definitely are two people that I talk to quite a bit about sports and just kind of, you know, movies and shit, so uh, it was a lot of fun having them on. Yeah, I'm going to keep this short because this is long, and uh, we will maybe see you Sunday. I don't know. As of right now, it's still up in the air if uh, I'm going to get an episode out before I go to Atlanta. Um, so stay tuned, I guess, and maybe we'll see you on Sunday. All right. So we are... Uh, that was a fun little thing I did last night. Uh, sadly, Doc is not here yet. Um, that was a fun little uh, NBA on TNT action um, for those that remember when that was how the theme went. Um there he is. God damn it. God damn it, man. You missed my cool intro I made for you. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'll play it again just for shits and giggles. <laughs> okay. Yeah, remember that's that? Good. That's exciting. I mean, dude, that used to get me fucking hyped for games. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped already. I got the <laughs> game on behind, right, right behind my computer. I can see the, uh, the Raptors I, and, and Sixers playing. So you know, you, you got to make me do it. I wasn't going to, but I was like, I, I really need to see how this game goes because uh, the Raptors on the on the bubble. No, they're the second seed in the in the uh, East. Yeah. Okay. I mean. Yeah, it's been crazy. Actually, it was kind of funny because uh, like last night I was watching that Trailblazers game and everyone's just been like sucking the dick of Damian Lillard. And I'm like, but yeah, dude scored 60 points and his team won by like three. <laughs> well, they got kind of lucky because Dallas hit a three that would have taken the lead and there was a foul like right yeah, at the right end. Right. Honestly, actually, Dallas looked great in that game. It was, just, it was one of those games where no one could stop anybody. No. 
Um, so it was like basically last whoever. Yeah, I mean, he was honestly though, it was probably that was like the easiest 60 points I've ever seen anyone score. It just seemed like it flowed, like it wasn't like he was it just didn't look that crazy. He was just hitting shots and shooting a lot of free throws. Well, like what was kind of crazy about that too was like that one three that like went super high in the air yeah. and fell down. And you're like, that's just the kind of game he's having right now. Yeah, yeah, that that one. That's one of the weirdest bounces I've ever seen. <laughs> I have never seen. I usually that like hits the backboard, the back of the backboard, and is out of bounds. Like that was. I don't know. I've been I've been loving this uh, this this restart as they've been calling it. The uh, I mean, really, the the big surprise for me has been, uh, and I think everybody has been Phoenix, like just coming out and going undefeated. Yeah, I'm, it's funny. I haven't seen him play once. Just you know, because really? yeah, and that's not on purpose. It's just uh, you know, usually I only get to watch maybe a game or a half a game, kind of here or there. So it's just some reason I've 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 missed them. So we'll see if uh, are they in that playoff situation where they can. I uh, think they are because because they ran the table. I think they're basically able to do the play in. I think. Yeah, but it's you have to win one, but it's eight games. Yeah, I think. So they're seven and zero. Did they yep. win their eighth game? Not yet. I think that's tomorrow. Maybe that's tonight. I think it's tomorrow. Yeah. They played. Yeah, but no, like that's like I made a comment on someone's Facebook status about Devin Booker. I was like, yeah, it's like he's playing on a contract year, and someone's like, or you know, it's just because he like loves his team and the city he plays for and all this kind of shit. I was like, whoa, bro, like I'm just I'm not like mad at him. I'm just saying like it's like he's playing on a contract year, knowing he's going after that Brinks truck after this season. I just think he's good, and their team is actually good. Like they're if you look at their team, they just have good players. <laughs> I mean, like, the crazy thing is, like, I feel like DeAndre Ayton is actually kind of coming into his own finally. Like, I mean, he was kind of touted as being, like, one of those, like, the next, uh, you know, level of big men that we haven't seen in a while. And I feel like he hadn't lived up to that, really, for up until, like, mo- like halfway through this season. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, got, all the, he's got all the tools. It's kind of weird. Like, I, it, it's it's so weird. Like, you and I are literally watching the same game right now. Like, Philly, surprisingly, Philly's up uh, with Ben Simmons gone for the rest of the season, which I don't know how that's going to pan out now. But Well, this – I mean, this the seeding is wrapped up in the East, so it really – this is kind of a meaningless game for these teams. Mm. It's just a matter of – That's why I don't recognize anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh... – I don't know. I'm I'm like so excited to see some playoff basketball. Like I feel like, you know, I was like telling someone the other day, I was like, I feel like my life's somewhat back to normal now because like I can come home. I can look forward to a couple of basketball games. I can look forward to coming home and catching like some baseball. And I, supposedly from some of the ads I've been seeing um, is that NFL is coming back and I haven't seen anything about how they're handling anything. So I'm I'm kind of surprised that that's they're pushing it. I mean, it's too big of a business to uh, to to not have it go. I, you know, I've heard some kind of rumors that their setup is has not been that great. So I can't really speak to it. But um, you know, for the people that are fans, I mean, I, I hope it all works out. I mean, obviously, I think it's much harder to start a season from scratch. And unlike basketball, which only has twelve to you know fifteen people on a team at any given time, you're, you're dealing with. You know, 12, 15 people on each side. Yeah, like, you know, 50, 50 some odd people plus, ma- you know, even massive uh, coaching staffs and things like that. So it's just so many more people and what, you know, what they're doing with. Uh, oh, here's that shot. <laughs> 21 feet in the air. Incredible. 
Yeah, but I've I've just heard that it's it's you know if you're doing it like baseball where there's no bubble and you're just traveling kind of like normal, you're just you know making yourself a lot more susceptible. So it's tough. I mean, today I think I think you tweeted about it. Maybe not. Uh, we're seeing that outdoor festival with the weird like uh, steel platform stages, like yeah. six feet apart, and it looks pretty massive as far as the sheer number of people they're putting out. But uh, excuse me, pleasantly surprised to see something of that level already i mean granted i know <laughs> overseas they're they're handling things a lot differently than we are here in the states but it, it's still kind of interesting to see them get back to something to that scale so quickly well they're just better at handling these things or you know the you know european countries have a little bit more of a collectivist mentality you know so and you know and we're a lot of people in america just inherently rebellious so it's like you just say hey we should do this they're like no I'm gonna do my thing. So it's uh, you know, and there's real no top-down strategy, unfortunately, for this. So something that could have been, you know, we would be way further along <clears throat> had we been collectively more responsible and on top of things. So it's uh it's a it's a we're definitely shooting ourselves in the foot, you know, as a as a country. And so unfortunately, things that are gonna happen quicker in Europe are gonna happen later for us because you know, we're just very immature i think about things like this you know i kind of have been wondering and i know you're a little bit more scholarly on the politics of of kind of abroad do you feel like this is a, a really good representation of why our political system the way it's set up to like basically a top-down system between here's the president here's your state elected officials your city elected officials and so forth do you feel like that also is a problem um listen i just think we're really set up very uniquely compared to so most countries are, you know, unless it's a China or a Russia are, are just way smaller. And so they're not having to contend with really this many different attitudes and different uh, lifestyles and cultural differences. I mean, there's a massive cultural difference between Texas and New Hampshire, between, <laughs> you know, Southern California and Alabama and so we so we call the United States, but in, in tr there was a book I forget what it's, what it's called. Basically, it's just the theory that really we're like seven different countries. If you look mm -hmm. at uh, regionality, uh, local cultures, uh, just different attitudes about about things, and that's kind of a tough thing to put under one umbrella. And so you know, so so a big part of how things work is is states rights and so a lot of states can kind of implement their own laws that kind of suit the people there and, and to a certain degree i think that's kind of great right where hey maybe the laws or the culture in massachusetts don't, don't really do it for me so i'm going to move to louisiana where it's kind of more my speed and i think that's fine but unfortunately when you have a problem like this uh you know diseases don't recognize borders <laughs> no, um so it's not really something you can just say, well, we're going to do it different here in Florida. I think it's more, I think it's okay to have different policies with regard to urban areas and uh, rural areas because rural areas just people are more spread out and it's just harder for something like this to spread. Um, you know, not if churches are open and schools are open and everything. And if, you know, so, you know, it's just, listen, I think this is one of the toughest issues that we've ever had to deal with. I don't think there's any great 
solution like perfect solutions um that don't have some kind of serious fallout attached to it you know um so it's it's tough you know so i can sit here and say well i i think this i think that but either way you go it's going to have there's going to be something that's going to be hurt whether it's the economy or public health you know and it's tough you know because a lot of people early on and this is just the mentality of like well we're, we can't really stop it, so we might as well just keep moving forward. And a lot of people are going to die, and that's just how it's going to be. Um, but unfortunately, I don't think that really – I mean, obviously, there's just the callous element of that because a lot of those people are the same people that be like, all lives matter. Or, you know, I'm pro-life and every fetus matters, but you're okay with hundreds of thousands of people dying. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not very it's not very ideologically consistent. Um and I say it's one of those things where you can say that, right? And if you're generally young and healthy and you're not, um, the likelihood that you would die or get really sick is probably pretty low. It's a pretty easy to th- say. Or you have someone who is older who are like, well, you know what? I would, I've, and I've heard this. They'll say, I would sacrifice myself. Like, like if I die, had to die to keep the economy open, I'm just like, one, that's a pretty bold thing to say. But two, you don't get to choose. True. We don't get to choose who dies. We don't get to choose who gets sick or who gets, you know, really sick and, you know, gets pushed to the brink of death, but doesn't count as death. And that's, it's not, it's, this is not uh, the Hunger Games where you get to offer <laughs> yourself as tribute. It just doesn't work that way. And the truth is it's affecting mostly poor, working class, black and Latino people in this country. That's who is disproportionately being affected by this disease. So it really pisses me off when people like Bill Maher and Elon Musk, who are rich, who don't, who are not going to feel the effects of this outside of their wallet, are telling people to just go back to normal. You know, it's, it's, I don't know, it just bothers me. Yeah, but then the crazy thing, like, and I, this has kind of been the interesting thing about social media to a degree is, is seeing getting to be informed about some of the things that apparently I, I've missed. Like I, apparently now Oprah's canceled, which I didn't know about until yesterday. I mean, who's not canceled. That's why I don't know. Give me the not canceled. If you didn't get the cancel list versus the not cancel list, I think the, the, the uh, not cancel list is way smaller. <laughs> I was just like, damn, they're going after, <laughs> I feel like they're supposed to not Oprah, but I was like, I can't believe they went after Oprah. Well, but, Oprah like, here's I, the thing. Oprah is rich now. So if you, you know, if you look at things in terms of power, not that rich now. I mean, she's been rich for a long time, but I'm saying, but yeah. she's like a legitimate billionaire, right? Yeah. That basically, in order to make that much money, people kind of presume you had to do some <laughs> ill gangster shit, you know? Nefarious. And that, and well, and you know, listen, I think there's maybe some 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 credence to that. Um, but you know, usually when you're in that position to be at the head of a company or make real kind of decisions, there's, you know. I don't know what she's canceled over, but I can imagine. <laughs> so apparently she, I don't remember. I didn't read who she had on. She was having like a, a live conversation type thing. And basically she, Oh, really? You're going to leave him wide open for that. You missed anyway. You suck. Um, but they, she was basically saying like, you know, it was someone's white, white privilege that they were able to have these things unlocked for them and so forth. And then I guess the whole internet started backlashing on her and being like you're a fucking billionaire like you basically have white privilege now with the kind of well, money you have and I it was kind of like wow that's- i think that's a- absolutely insane um 
I mean, this is someone who built her wealth from nothing. Absolutely. Um, and the truth is, if she wasn't famous, right? If Oprah was just a regular black billionaire lady, the world would still treat her as a black woman. All right. Privilege doesn't. Yes. Yes. Her being Oprah. Yes. That individual. But the thing is, the problem is anytime when people kind of make these individual um, kind of distinctions, like you are rich, you are famous. So therefore you are privileged. But we're not talking about individuals. We're talking about groups of people. Yes, of course. Can a black person be rich? Yes. Can a black person be president? Yes. Well, how does that speak on the masses? Overall, how are people affected? How are their lives? And I that's a really that's a really dumb dumb thing. Like you'll you'll you know sometimes you'll see people like, well, why are the NBA players uh protesting and saying things like their lives are great? I'm like, because they're not selfish pricks. Because <laughs> they're not they just to like come out of that too. I did great. I don't care if everyone else is suffering as long as I'm doing great. Like that, it makes no sense. Like the people are so, you know, and like I said, there's not and not one of those players went out there and said, black person people can't uh, one black person can't make it. That's not the point. The point is they're the one in the million that got through. And you know, and the truth is it shouldn't have to be that you you end up being Oprah to make it or being an NBA player to make it. There's 450 jobs in the NBA. That's not gonna uplift communities. It's just not. You know, it's it. So anyway, that's like what was crazy to me about that, too, is I was reminded of when she had Chappelle on her when she still had a show. And it was around the time of I think Obama was president and they were all her and him were trying to get the uh, Summer Olympics in Chicago. And she was like, they turned us down. Why do you think that is? And he goes, because they were expecting you to fucking open your pocket and be like how much to get the games here and you and obama didn't do that <laughs> and it is kind of interesting and when thinking about that joke all those years ago is seeing people make the comment like she's a billionaire she could solve all these world problems all these people can solve our world problems and it's like when has that ever happened though when has well, the one wealthy- person even people who are like well if jeff bezos just gave everyone this much money what everyone would have like Five grand, okay. Then you spend that after a couple weeks, and then what else? One person, one person can't Stimulate really ch- everything. Yeah, they can. One person can make their little dent in the world. And obviously, the more you have, the bigger a dent you can make. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, we're in a time of you know difficult times. People on whatever fringe find their boogeyman, find their <laughs> scapegoat. And so for certain people, that's going to be billionaires. For certain people, that's going to be immigrants. For certain people, that's going to be, uh, you know, Jack who runs Twitter. It's Or it's going to be, you know, racist cops or whatever. Um, or for some people, it's going to be terrorists. Or some people, it's going to be neo-Nazis. I mean, whatever your boogeyman, there's plenty of them out there. You know, uh, and the truth is, if things aren't working out, it's got to be someone's fault. And that's where you got to kind of hone in on your energy and, you know, and that can be exploited. And listen, and I think to some degrees, yes, there are certain individuals and certain groups that deserve more blame for certain situations. And, you know, and and not everything's all is equal, but I think if you kind of focus on that a little too much, 
then it kind of, I don't know, kind of dices the world up into very black and white, good versus evil, you know, kind of doesn't accurately describe the way I think the world actually works, which is way more complex. I have, you know, kind of one of the last questions I'll have on this topic, and then we'll kind of go to something way more lighthearted. But, uh, you know, I was trying to think recently because I I feel like you and I are roughly around the same age. I'm going to be 36 in like a month. Uh, I think you're like almost 40. Yeah, I'll be 40 in a month. Okay, so not not that much. Two months. Not in age. But uh, I was trying to think when when did the shift start happening where we start? Like there's always been a shift politically, like people being like, I'm a Republican or I'm a you know Democrat or whatever. But when did we start going, well, you're this, so I can't, I can't even be friends anymore. When did that start happening politically? Like I was trying to figure out when did that happen? I mean, social media. Because you never, the advent of social media? Yeah, because you never knew. Like you can, you know, I, ne- I remember like when Facebook popped off, you know, when, when politics started really to infuse itself in, into uh, – social media, you know, kind of during the Obama administration, I didn't know what certain people I knew felt politically, you know? And so, you know, and, and so I think based on that, it became like a, uh, or just a real dividing line, right? Like uh, I, I had this funny story. I think I'm going to, if I ever write this book, I think it's going to be the opening scene where I was actually, uh, hooking up with this girl who was from Texas and I had an Obama poster in my, in my room. And she turned out, she was like Republican anti Obama and it like ruined everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, it's so funny. Um, But, you know, so I think it's just, it's this idea that your politics are an extension of your value system and your morality. So, so it's, and it's, and it's even further than that, right? It's not just politics. It's also, um, you know, when you kind of look at the broader picture of cancel culture and all that, it's like guilty by association, right? So this is the, hey, the, the metalcore band, should I take the Azalea Dying tour? Because if I do the tour, then now I'm co-signing this individual's actions, and then now I'm guilty by association, and then people can... And I think that's a really dangerous thing even though in certain circumstances i can kind of understand that like for example like like it i think it's despite how entertaining it is i think it's probably a bad look for joe rogan to align himself with like an alex jones and give him a platform i think it's really bad i think it ultimately leads to bad outcomes um but you know in in certain circumstances it's like you know someone like tim labesis should we forgive him should we say hey you know he, he did his time. He's out here. Or it's just like, well, certain, and I, I've talked to guys who are like, well, they're like, I could never tour with them because my wife would like kill me. She would like stop talking to me. Right. And that's so it's I don't know. It's it's a it's a very strange thing. But I do think for people, it's an extension of, their, of morality. So it's like if you're a Trump supporter, that means you are for you. Are, you you adopt his racist attitudes or his rhetoric or his actions you know anti-immigrant stuff and talking about these people or or his you know stuff with women and sexual assault and all that so it becomes you know or you know because maybe you just vote for trump because you like 
gun rights or something and you don't really care about his other stuff but just by de facto of that it means you kind of adopt everything about that person or if you're someone thinks you're liberal it's like well you're you like to kill babies so you know or you want to open up the borders and you it's like you know it's, it's really caricatures you know where we kind of turn these political ideologies into um identities and i don't think people used to you know always i mean obviously you had like the hippies and stuff like that which were it was kind of a political archetype you know free love and end the war and all that stuff um but i just think it's more pronounced and it's also more divided by where people live you know Mm -hmm. so you know some people are like they're not religious but they're they're born jewish their family's jewish so they're culturally jewish even if they're not, they don't practice the religion. I think, I think politics is like that now where people are culturally liberal because they just happen to live in New York city or San Francisco. And same thing. I think some people are culturally conservative because they happen to live in maybe a, a, you know, Midwest, you know, kind of smaller town where if you actually quiz them on what they actually believe, they're probably not as conservative or liberal as they really think they are. They just happen to be around something that where that's the norm. Right. Yeah, it's kind of funny you bring up the, the Esley dying thing. I remember when talking with Ken from Unearth because they had just been announced on the European run they were going to be doing. And I was like, dude, it was so weird. Like, you know, seeing them specifically get a lot of backlash because a lot of people were like, you know, as veterans of the scene, I would have expected more from them not taking a tour like that. A young up and coming band. What do you got to lose? It's exposure. It's this. It's that. And it was just kind of weird to see such a. that was that was your viewpoint or that's what people were saying to him that's what people were saying about on earth like because i talked to him i think the day after that tour got announced that they were doing the european run and so like i asked him i was like is it weird that people like a that like people would hold your you and your band in such high regard that they're like i can't believe this band would go on tour with them you know i thought so much bigger and better of of unearth as a whole that they would take this tour and it's like like that that's a weird position to take too where you're kind of lauding a band because of the the tenure they have in a scene but you're also then putting them down because they don't align with what you think a band of their tenure should doing well listen i th- i think the, the asley dying thing is a really interesting experiment in a lot of ways because you're kind of seeing that the marketplace the literal marketplace does not align with kind of morality not reality, but with the kind of loud voices on these social spaces, right? So you could have all these people tell you, you know, till the cows come home, how much, how much they want to cancel as a dying or people shouldn't like them or people shouldn't support them. But the people who actually buy concert tickets and albums and like music and the consumers of that do want to see the band. So, um, and I get it. That's the way it is for a lot of these individuals. You know, you know, Louis C.K. didn't stop doing stand-up. I mean, he took a little break, but his fans are his fans. Yeah. Um, and listen, I'm not into that situation. I think people should be allowed to work, you know, um, and then the people should decide if they don't want to see him. You know, if no one, if Louis C.K. books a tour and no one wants to see him, then people kind of decided, you know, but the truth is, you fuck up, you do, you know, you know, all kinds of people do bad things. You know, it's like, think about 
the ice teas of the world who willing or jay-z's that t- that tell you about the shit they were doing i was dealing drugs i was pimping women i was uh, robbing people but they just didn't get arrested they didn't go to jail for it right but if they did go to jail for it or all of a sudden we do we look at them different and say well he shouldn't be able to be a rapper because and it's like we we have these real we, like i said we don't really think these things through and i always tell people i'm like they they need to go away it's like where should they go right and they don't, and but they haven't thought that far. It's just you know what it is. It's it's we live in a, it's just a, the real world version of that of just blocking someone, right? So I can block you, so you can't mess me. I don't see any of your stuff, and they think the real world works that way, and it yeah. doesn't. You can't you can't just cultivate reality to how you want it because it's inconvenient or it or it bothers you. It just it just doesn't work that way. I feel like the thing for me, because like uh, our show has made quite a bit of news off of the the Esley dying thing. But, you know, I've gotten a lot of people who ask me like, you know, because when I voice my opinions on these things or at least this this situation, I think for me, it it comes back to a a broader. Do you believe in rehabilitation? Do you believe that if someone goes away to jail that they can be rehabilitated? That's kind of at the the fundamental core of it all. That's where I kind of land. And I feel like if if people go no, then I feel like Tim isn't really the reason that we need to be upset. We need to look at that judicial system and the way that we have these things in place. Because if you don't think that someone should be rehabilitated, then you, I guess, what are we doing with jails and prisons? And, but by, all, and re- but by the way, I get back here to you. 90% of these people that'll sit there and tell you Tim Lambeast needs to go away. He needs to be canceled are the same people who are like, we need to defund the police. And I hate Joe Biden because he passed, helped pass the 94 crime bill. And we need to, you know, you have all these offenders of nonviolent crimes in jail. Like all those same people, they're like, it's illiberal and it's, you know, in its base, right? Like either you believe in rehabilitation or you don't. Yeah. And the truth is, I think those people are not too dissimilar from the country at large. I think it is, we are not a very forgiving people. We want the, we want our system to be punitive. We want, it's like the suffering is baked in. Right. Why do you think we have a solitary confinement? Mm. What do you think? You know, it's like it's this idea like like the whole point is not rehabilitation. We send people to jail because we want them to suffer. And we want them to hurt. We want them to lose. And then we come out, they get out of jail and we say, you know what? Let's keep that suffering going. Let's so, see. So you can't vote. Let's do it. So you can't get a job. Let's do it so that you now you have to do crime. Because you've been cut out of the system, and that's it's insanity, and it fe- and it just creates a cycle, and it doesn't make any sense. And I get it. There are certain crimes that yes, people should certainly go away for and knock it out. You know, I, I think that's that's definitely true. Um, but I think there's also plenty of people who wouldn't be who they were if they didn't screw up and learn from their mistakes. So you know. Um, I don't know. It's a, but it's it's really at at the heart, like I said, of this country. And I think it goes across the. What we've seen is that it goes across political spectrum. It's not just conservatives who are, who want law and order. Liberals do too. They just do it in different ways, right? 
And I get it. A lot of these people don't go to prison. You know, like Kevin Spacey didn't go to jail. And, you know, uh, you know, R. Kelly still hasn't gone to jail, right? So some people have not really paid. You know, they've paid kind of a social cost, but not a literal Has Bill Cosby gone to jail? Who? Bill Cosby? Has he gone to jail yet? Yep. I think he's still in jail. He's in jail. Uh, Harvey Weinstein just went to jail. So, you know, some of the the worst offenders, you know, and obviously Jeff Epstein was in prison when he died. So, or, you know, whatever. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) you know, but so I get it. Some people are not, you know, suffering those causes. And and with regards to Tim, you know, he did go to prison. Some people said, well, he should have went to jail for longer. I, you know, I don't know if that's true. I don't know. What is fair? What is normal? What is, like I said, did, did he not suffer enough? Is there a suffer, a suffer meter? What if you go to jail and find yourself? I, I don't, I, I don't know. It's like, but it's like, you gotta lose something. I don't know. I, uh, without going into specifics, cause it's not my story to tell a uh, really close friend of mine went to prison and seeing how social media people who had no idea the circumstances of what happened, why things happened, a lot of the behind the scenes things that happened, you know, commenting on this photo of them, like, well, you can tell this person has no remorse for what they did because they're smiling in the photo. Took you're, a like, picture. you're like, it's a fucking mugshot. And like, it's like, you know, that like, and I wanted like, and it was so hard because like, I wanted to comment and be like, you weren't there when I had to have like the last breakfast with this person, knowing they're going to be going away for two years and they had to hug their child goodbye and their mom and they're crying and like all of the real emotional side of that shit. It's like, it's so easy for you to sit there and go, here's my thought based on one single fucking photo. And then the next news story will pop up and here's your two cents on that. It's real easy to be a casual know-it-all, I guess, really with social media. But it was just like between that and like a death of a friend that ended up on the news and people commenting that had no fucking idea about anything. It's really soured me on that shit where it makes me realize that it's like you're commenting on this because in your timeline, you see this. And then you're going to leave your comment and then the next story will pop up a couple minutes later, the next thing you're going to comment on, and you're going to completely forget all about that thing that you were all riled up about for two seconds. But that's someone, that's someone's the rest of their life. That's a life changing moment for a handful of people. And it's really weird to, to think about, about that in today's society where so many people will say something shitty because it's an anonymous platform more or less. And then they just go on about their day. And it's like, it's not, it's kind of not how like real life works at times. Like you, you can't, I guess you can say whatever the fuck you want with no repercussion, but it also kind of makes me realize how, how just fucking wild things are like how, you know, like I could see something like, you know, with your mother passing, like, I don't know what that was like, especially during COVID times and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, I can imagine but it's like I couldn't imagine someone using that as a platform to be like, well, it's all a fucking bullshit hoax, this COVID thing and blah, 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 and turning into something else because they're fired up about something else. And then seeing you post your thing on a timeline and then commenting on your thing and then just letting it be because they just they just had to get it out. And it's like but you're on the other end of that going like your comment is very irrelevant to what I'm actually going through. And this is a moment that will impact me for the rest of my life. I will never forget this moment. And for some of the people that make the comments that they do, you're just like, wow, like, it is fucking shocking that people feel they have the voice or a voice to say some of these things sometimes. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, we're in a, uh, everyone's a mind reader, <laughs> right? So everyone, you know, oh, well, you did this. So that means you think this. And, you know, it's, it's just a lot of, 
um, presumption and, and assumption. Like, I'll, I always say that's why I think, you know, we throw around terms like racism and white supremacy. And it's like, I, you don't really know how people feel in their hearts. You know, to me, that's what that thing is. More, more often than not is, well, you know, how, how do you really feel? Do you really, you know, and it's, it's this weird thing of like, you're looking for this evidence. Are you, are you one of the people that's how you feel? It's like, you know, you can have the most polite person who never says anything and is at the Black Lives Matter rally and like, yeah, you know, like, and in their mind, they're like, it, it could be a clan rally in their head. You would have no idea. Right. You know, so it, it is like this idea of trying to actually get in the head like your friend, like, oh, well, clearly he has no remorse. It's like you don't you just don't know what's going on with people. And, and you can only, you know, until we invent something that can read people's minds, we're just for most people, we're not going to know. And we have to just we're just rely on what, um, you know, what they communicate, unfortunately. Speaking of communicating and, and some of the, the things we've kind of been touching on, you know, I wanted to talk about the last dance because, like, I know you were pretty hype on it, uh, talking in your pre and post uh, interviews on the podcast about talking about the last dance. And it was, it's something that it's been kind of weird because, like, I think all of the true basketball fans and the fans of the era of basketball at that point watched it first run. And now everyone's kind of getting the second uh, wave of it with it being on Netflix now. So it's been kind of interesting to see people who I think are casual sports fans or just saw a bunch of us, you know, posting about it on socials. And we're like, oh, I'll check it out now that it's on a platform I can get readily. And it's been kind of weird because like talking to some people, you know, like someone was like, I don't recall Michael Jordan being like kind of a, a bad guy, you know, being a villain you know, the way that sort of the documentary kind of portrays him at, at times because he obviously had, you know, say in final cut and so forth. And it kind of helped push the narratives that I feel like he wanted to push. Like still the Isaiah Thomas thing is still pretty present. He's pretty upset about it. Uh, the shit with uh, Horace Grant obviously still is an issue with him and him pushing the narrative that Horace, uh, you know, basically was the, the leak in the locker room and so forth. And so you know, kind of on, on the last dance, like a question that I've kind of been thinking about is, do you feel that the last dance maybe hurts the legacy of the bulls? Uh, Cause now you're seeing a lot of people airing dirty laundry that we had no clue about and have no, no real right to know what is going on in that locker room. Do you think it kind of takes away from the, I guess the mysticism of the ba- of the team? No, I think it only elevates the, uh, the stature and more respect because I think you're talking about process, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's about results. And so people don't look at, okay, maybe Michael Jordan was a dick. Maybe Michael Jordan was pushy. Maybe he was a bully. Maybe he pushed people too hard. Maybe he talked to people some kind of way, but if people look at that and they say, well, it worked. So it's like a, a lot of people will will just say, well, then that's how I have to be. I got to be more of a dick. I got to push people around. But the, the truth is it's – I don't think you can really – you know, to me it's like just something I think about a lot, about style, right? Like is it – like if Michael was more laid back with other people and more a little more nice, would they – would they have made that difference? Like would they have lost more championships? I don't know. You know, I, I can't really say that. You know, so it's sometimes the no matter what people it's a self-fulfilling prophecy which say, well, you got to be a dick. But, you know, and there's and he's not the only one. You know, you've heard similar things about 
Steve Jobs, you know, or, you know, I'm trying to think off, off the top of my head, but we definitely heard, but guess what? Magic Johnson apparently was a really nice guy. He won a lot of championships. You know, Steph Curry is a really nice guy. He's got a handful of championships. So I just think it, it, it won, it speaks to the era, you know, where it was just a different, it's an old school mentality. And I just think Michael is just a one in a million, one in a billion kind of human being where he was that good, where he could kind of get away with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you, you know, if you were, because, you know, Kobe was a dick, right? But I think he's kind of a dick because he's like, oh, that's how Michael is. That's how you're supposed to be, right? But he wasn't even, you know, the best player on his team for the first three championships he won. <laughs> and he was still a dick, averaging 37 a game and didn't make the playoffs or got knocked out in the first round. So you could be the biggest dick in the world, but if you don't have a good team, doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, you still need to have a great team. You still need to have a great coach. You still need to have all these other things work work out. Um, but honestly, I it made me respect him more because of I think he actually is being honest throughout the documentary. Um, and he and you know, so I think the fact that he was being open about I feel this way. And yeah, he holds grudges and he like he's kind of petty. You know, yeah, and, and that's what kind of like, uh, but you know, the so I, I just respect the fact that he's like he is showing this side of himself, and it, it seemed like when he was talking about people, he was giving pretty honest opinions about individuals, about situations, and I thought that was great. And he and I think it, it, it actually is going to gain more respect from people, um, because I think in many ways, we you know, he's the quintessential public face and private face right he literally speaks differently like when he like when he's when the cameras aren't on and he's giving a like he's not in press conference mode he's like a country dude who's just is like talking shit and like cracking on people and being just and then you get the camera he's like well the game of basketball what i need to do the city of chicago and you know and he's just he's like a politician he literally he literally is so um you know, in a in a in a in a sense, I think people he like he of all the people in the world, he doesn't have to be honest. So actually, I know he had final cut, and there's probably things like the you know, stuff with his dad, maybe they didn't go as deep in if he, he didn't have a hand in that. But I would trade that to get all that candidness from him. You know what I'm saying? Because if, if he didn't have final cut, maybe you don't get all that stuff. Maybe he would be more closed off. Yeah, I think it was kind of interesting. I mean, I know I think each episode basically started off by explaining, you know, the NBA Jordan and all of them gave uh, the NBA film crew unprecedented access to them during their their last championship run. I think the thing that was kind of interesting to me and I, you know, having watched a handful of the 30 for 30s, I guess you don't there's not necessarily a style one way or the other. Like it's like, oh, this is the format and this is how you go. But I was pleasantly surprised to see how much backstory they were trying to include as you're moving forward a little bit um you know basically going through and being like here's the backstory of jordan as a as a youth you know growing up and you know playing for carolina and so on and so forth getting drafted kind of the the where the bulls franchise was at the time but then moving it forward in conjunction with the last season and some of the ups and downs that they were having as well i really wasn't expecting it to go forward to to tell the the 
going backwards to tell the forward story because I figured it was just something everyone knew inherently, you know. No, I mean, I, listen, I think a lot of people don't know because, um, you know, there's been, you know, doc, there's been a doc, whole documentary on Dennis Rodman and there's been stuff. But, you know, a lot of that stuff about Scottie Pippen, I didn't know. Um, you know, so, you know, Steve Kerr, I follow him pretty close. So I knew about the stuff with his dad and kind of his his up, upbringing and stuff. But, uh, no, I thought it was, it meant, you know, probably the best piece of media to come out of this whole time period in the, you know, um, because I could have kept watching that for weeks after, you know, and it would have been, you know, and it's like, it's kind of cool though. Cause I, I hope I, hopefully this inspires other works like that. Like obviously there's only one 96 bulls team, but just, but I, you know, if there's, you know, if there was something like this about the, you know, Miami heat, you know, LeBron Miami heat team, I would be fascinated by that. If there was something about, you know, you know, anytime, you know, there's a 30 for 30, whether it's the bad boys, uh, Pistons or, you know, Michigan, you know, Fab Five. I mean, I, I, I eat that stuff up. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i interested to see if they would end up doing – for me, I think the next one that would be interesting would be like that that Lakers 3 P team that ended up winning because I feel like there was so much dysfunction within those ranks. There hasn't there, been anything made about that? Not that I'm aware of. If there has, I, it's gone just right by me, but – I feel like that would be one that you could do an interesting hell. I mean, if they, whenever, I mean, it's inevitable it'll happen, but whenever they do a, a 30 for 30 on Kobe, I feel like there's going to be so much interesting stuff about it. Cause of the, the time he came in, like that was kind of one of the, the interesting episodes, you know, is when Jordan at the all-star game is like, you know, that Laker kid's going to try to show out and you know, like they're just talking about him. They don't even like call him by his name. He's just that Laker kid. And it's like wild to watch that and be like, I was a fucking kid, like probably like maybe a freshman in high school. If watching that game and just being like, here's a dude that's like not much older than me playing against fucking Michael Jordan and like balling out. Yeah. I mean, but it kind of spoke to, it's funny. Cause the thing he was saying, he's like, he's like, he doesn't even care about you know, what, what he's shooting. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of, it's funny because it actually kind of tells you the difference between Jordan and Kobe is like, Jordan was just a, bit more disciplined and a bit more you know selective when it came to how he 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 got his shots where like Kobe was almost like he's almost taking the hardest shot possible sometimes oh look at this guy oh wow got a special guest got a special guest to this motherfucker how the hell are you two doing hanging in there Hey, there, look at this, this smiling son of a bitch. All right, put that away. All right, <laughs> serious time. Wait, 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 what's the topic? Where are we at? What topic are we on? Talking about Kobe Bryant, uh, in the last dance documentary, and they were talking. Jordan was like, You know, that Laker boy is just gonna try to show us up. Oh, yeah, that whole documentary itself was just like eye opening and almost. It, I, I personally, I, I know I'm walking in here, I think it solidified the idea that those dudes were just bad in so many more ways compared to everybody else. that would be considered a dynasty now in the NBA. Like, I don't know. The Warriors, the modern Warriors are those Bulls. I'm guessing mo- both of you would pick those Bulls. No, I think the Warriors. I think the, I think the Warriors had more shooting and depth. I think the honestly. 2017 Warriors would would beat them because I just think three equals more than two. <laughs> and, and I think you just look at man for man. You got yeah. – the Warriors got two MVPs. Bulls only got one. You know, the, you know, the, just the three point shooting. I mean, they're like, 
you know, literally, I mean, their fifth guy is like Iguodala, who's Iguodala, like, who's MVP, who's a, right? A, Olympian, well, Finals MVP, Olympian, All Star, All Defense. You know, that's like their fifth guy. I mean, and listen, their fi- the the Bulls' fifth guy, you know, is like Ron Harper, who before he got injured was a twenty point a game, you know, All Star caliber guy too. Who coach really underrated player? I think that guy would have been great in any era. I really, um, I really like the uh, the profile they gave him on the documentary. Yeah. Who coach gave him a lot of work. But like Rodman, like Rodman, could Rodman stay on the floor in today's era? A non shooter. Whereas like, you know, whereas okay. the, you know, whereas the, the Warriors, every guy can at least score competently. Yeah. You know. Um, and I that's what I'm saying. There's no, you know, Kevin Durant. I'm sorry, a six eleven shooting guard. Like, who do who the hell's gonna guard him? I mean, Scottie Pippen probably do as good as anyone in the world. Yeah. Could, but still. I think the thing yeah. for me about that, because you know, a lot of people have with Rodman being one of my favorite players ever. Um, I feel like the thing that like everyone forgets, and then you know, the Last Dance kind of highlighted again, and his thirty for thirty did as well. Granted, when he got in the NBA. You know, Daly was like, you're not going to be a scorer in this league. Like, that's there's too many other people who are better at it than you. Find something else that's going to be your niche and, and kind of hang your hat on that. But it's a thing where, for that, I, you know, I think people forget that Rodman was averaging like 30 in college. You know, he was a scorer. But he, but by, but we're talking about the Bulls era, Dennis Rodman. I know. But I mean, like, if, he, if he hit a jump shot, it was like, you know, Hoosiers or something, and won the championship. I mean, so, well, I was gonna say, remember that game? But, but, by, but by today's standards, I'm saying that the scouting and the level of the way they like go find someone and then they'll they'll target you, you know, and they play people out of the games. I mean, Andrew Bogut could not get on the floor in you know 2000 was it 16 whatever? Yeah, like because they and they'll and if they find that you are, you know susceptible then they will play you out of the game you know so i just i just wonder that i'm just saying the, the warriors because of the modern era they, they didn't have anyone that the first only person you could really say is maybe draymond but sometimes draymond will come in and hit five threes in yeah. a game well i think that alludes to like the whole scenario of specialization back in that era because didn't they allude to the fact that rodman kind of was an all-around player but he kind of just leaned back because he was almost asked and then yeah. just took on this role as this as this beast under the boards but it's well, more than some people contend some people contend that Horace Grant that the that if like if Horace Grant was on the the three championships later that maybe they're even better cuz yeah. you know he can re- rebound defend but he could also score and he could also you know and, I mean but here's the thing too I mean Robin as a defender I mean is insane you know and a kind of underrated passing you know playing in the the triangle you got to have to be a good passer from the elbows yeah yeah I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know. I'm just I'm really enjoying watching uh watching the jazz right now, in my opinion. I don't know why. I'm just like a big fan of Donovan Mitchell. Just absolutely killing it. Dude, that watching. triple overtime game was insane the other like this past weekend. Yeah. For me, he's like the most exciting thing that I'm watching in the in the bubble. Well, next to Dame. <laughs> just smashing <laughs> everything one. right now. How uh you know, kind of speaking of the bubble. How is it been interesting to either of you, I guess, to see how how well the NBA has been doing with their bubble 
locked down. And, you know, I know they're right now the big thing is how well is this going to work once some of the spouses and family members are able to kind of start coming once the playoffs get in. But I think I just saw a stat like out of their 324 tests that they did this past week or whatever, they have zero, like nobody. And no one has had a, a positive test, I think, in the last like two weeks or so at least. Is it kind of interesting to see how well this is working in spite of so many people saying that this would fail because of just the nature we live in now where people are like, I, I, I find I find the progressive the progressive attitude that the NBA exudes uh, working in that effect as like, you know, you see baseball, you know, they're like we're not doing that type of bubble thing. Like we're not doing that. We're not doing that. And where the hell's the MLB right now? Um, the NFL, uh, NFL is a little more difficult. I don't know how that's going to play out. And I, I personally don't think there'll be a season, but I, I mean, I just, I think, I think silver is just a really, really good leader. And I think that they came up with ideas like it's simple. This is how it's going to work. Who's going to buy in. Let's make the season happen. And it's, I think it's working pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not surprised. You know, I just think it's the easiest league to do it. You have the least amount of human beings physically. I think, uh, and more than any other league, also the players had to decide if they wanted to do this. And so I think if you look at all the stuff they're doing with like kind of the social justice imagery and kind of all that stuff, you can tell the the players bought in. Uh-huh. to the whole idea of it. And so it's a player-empowered league. Um, and then and beyond that, the actually thing I'm most amazed by is just the product on the court. I just did not think yeah. it could be this good that without fans it would still – the way they frame it with the virtual fans and the crowd noise that you barely miss it, maybe maybe except with the, at the end of games, um, and that everyone came in basically in shape. And kind of ready to play, which is kind of hard hard to believe. But I'm I'm, I'm really not surprised because you know I don't really watch any other sports anymore regularly, you know. Uh, and, and part of that, I just I just think it is a league where every year it's constantly evolving, it's constantly changing. They're always trying things with rules and trying different things and and constantly growing. They're not staying static, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think that starts with silver. I think it's I think it's just going really well. What was one of the bigger surprises going back to the uh, going back to the last dance? What was one of the bigger surprises that out of that documentary that like you just never knew? Hmm, I'm trying to think. I um, I, I think the the Scottie Pippen stuff kind of like with his, you know, uh, I remember they were talking about when he like wouldn't go back in the game. Yeah, you yep. know, I had no idea about that. Just that and like the whole contract situation you know that you know he was underpaid and you know just it's just this weird thing where publicly he was seen as kind of like a troublemaker but behind the scenes everyone said he was like the nicest guy in the world and like the best teammate um but he just made like a couple mistakes you know that came back to haunt him you know down down the line like you know just his public reputation was really hurt by not going in that game. And then, you know, his, his his whole life was screwed up by taking a really bad contract. And to a certain degree, I can't really be, you know, I, I can't, like, he can't really be mad at anyone else. Like, you signed the deal. You did something <laughs> stupid business-wise, and it's not what necessarily... 
Yeah, but it's not incumbent upon the people that you signed a deal with to change a deal because you signed a bad deal. You know? I think two of the two of the biggest surprises for me were uh I just really enjoyed seeing the struggles Jordan had early in his career. <laughs> Cause, you know, all you hear about how absolutely amazing it was, and I didn't really know much about him in college, so I liked the highlight of his college years. Uh and I really enjoyed the whole storyline about everybody shitting on the GM and <laughs> really appreciated that. Cause even I mean, just aesthetically, you look like guy. I was just like, oh man, you want to hate him, but he also built that whole thing. But then he had bad blood with a lot of important people. So that whole dynamic was just really interesting. I mean, but they were able to hold it together to build that whole thing. Father, do you guys hear the thing that basically he would have stayed like there was a chance he would have signed with the Knicks yeah. in the offseason, but basically <laughs> the Knicks didn't ever think they'd have a chance to get him. So they traded for Latrell Sprewell. <laughs> and so <laughs> and he would have played for the Knicks. It'll happen almost happened twice. Like they before that thing, there was a situation before the last few years, there was a situation where the Knicks wanted to sign him and he um he basically they changed the rules so that they could pay so the Bulls could pay him mm-hmm. more than the actual salary cap to keep him. And then this happened. It was basically this thing like like Bill Simmons told the theory that part of the reason why Jordan retired was he had nowhere to go. That literally no team could pay him. You know what what he wanted. So it was just he, there was no the, the the salary cap was very restrictive back then, and he wanted to come back. But this is alternate universe where he could have went to the Knicks, and LeBron has said apparently multiple times that the Knicks were like always his second choice. And it just didn't work out that way. So, you know. Yeah, the, just... last, the last basketball game I attended, aside from the Cavs game with you, Doc, <laughs> was uh, that Nick game, one of the Nick, the main Nick games when they were courting LeBron, trying mm. to get him to go there. And I'd never seen anything like it. I've never seen just a fan base ha- virtually, like, almost to everybody's knowledge, have no shot of grabbing this guy, but everybody was going nuts for him. And that's the whole, that's why the whole stadium, the arena was packed out. That was the most packed I've ever seen MSG in my entire life. And it was cool. It was really cool. But that would have been amazing. Well, what <laughs> so could have shoulda. What's up? Yeah, right. <laughs> what could have shoulda. That's every New York team ever right now. <laughs> ever. <laughs> I will never see a championship in my adult life. I'm convinced by that. I saw the Rangers win in 94, and I couldn't even go out and celebrate other than banging a pot and pan in my underwear. <laughs> that was it. I'm never gonna. I'm screwed. I'm never gonna see shit. So. I remember the first time I realized LeBron was like legit was uh was the year after the Pistons won that championship against the Lakers, and they were going through the playoff run the next year. It was the Easter Conference Finals, and I remember being at the holy shit, that was nice stuff. Um, was at the bar, and LeBron just rattled off like the next twenty some odd points to beat the Pistons to then advance the Cavaliers against the Spurs, and I was like. All right, I think this dude's pretty fucking legit and probably going to be like, if they get some players behind him, this dude could be something. Yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> I mean, just all, even all the high school sports magazines, because I was around, graduated in the same year. Just you knew about him wherever the hell you were, everywhere. Any type of high school public sports publication, it was all about him. It was impressive. It was absolutely impressive. I think what was wild about that, and you know, I was just 
so today, actually, two of my coworkers who are not into sports at all kind of said what I think is ignorant shit, um, saying that basically athletes should not make the millions and millions that they do. There should just be a base salary of $500,000, and that's what everyone should make unilaterally across the board. And that the extra money comes from endorsements, whatever. And I was like, you know, these people go to college and get exploited basically for anywhere from a year to three or four. And their window to make as much money is, especially like when we were talking about football, I was like the opportunity. Once your rookie contract is done to make some decent money, if you are a like top tier athlete, you probably got a five year window to make as much as you can. And that's even barring that it's not incentive laden and you don't get injured that ruins your career. And they're still like, so that's, that's a sport. You're an entertainer. You chose that life that you chose that career. And I was like, but like, if you're the best at something, shouldn't you be rewarded for like all the work and sacrifice and the amount? Like, I don't know. It was just kind of interesting to like watch people just be like, people don't deserve to be paid based on the output of being the best. And I was like, we work at a job where like, that's sort of the crux of everything is like, I hope I make more money. Cause like, I'm really good at this job and I'm better than these people. So I should be rewarded financially as a result of that. Like if you're saying that you don't believe athletes should do that and there's market proof that they're better than people, then why do you think you deserve any well, not more only, money? Not only that, they're, I think if, if anything, the opposite is true that, that uh, athletes are underpaid because almost every sport besides baseball has a salary cap. So you can't, you know, you can literally put it. So when Le, like LeBron James goes from Miami back to Cleveland, you can put a monetary value on what he actually adds to the literal local economy yeah. of the area in Ohio in terms of what he actually does. And it's not in the millions, it's in the billions. So and that's probably around the league too, whenever he shows up, like you guys were talking about the game. Exactly. Like yeah. when he shows, but but when he comes to your team, your team has more value, like as a literal company, as a business. And he's just one person. But it's the, like I said, if there was no salary cap in, in, in the NBA, you are essentially worth what the market will bear. So he would he'd be making between 50 and 100 million dollars a year. That's literally what he's worth. I mean, I mean, it's like the richest people in the country are like, is Jeff Bezos like a hundred times better at his job than like the guy that runs Google or something? No, he just happened to be in a company that self, you know, the one company that self organizes itself monopolistically so that his worth is, um, you know, it, what's the word for uh, exponential? He has exponential growth in his money because of the how the business self organizes itself. It's not that he's that much smarter than anyone else, just you know, why does some derivatives trading guy on wall street make like a hundred million dollars. He makes the same amount of money as LeBron James. Is he the best at that? Or is it just, he just happens to be in a business that can exploit money. Like their little job is to make money out of money. Right. So what do you do? I make money, but what do you do? Do, what do you actually add? Do you make anything? No. Do you build anything? No. Do you provide any services? I want to make other people money. And it's a, it's just literally a final way to manipulate numbers on screens. And for some reason, those people make more money than LeBron James. It's like, well, what the motherfucker that owns a team? How do you get a team? What do he do? You know? See, I, I've had this conversation with a lot of people, and I look at – I'm 
clearly not a numbers person. I don't know if either you guys are good with numbers, but that stuff is just so soul sucking and so <laughs> difficult when you get to the highest types of industry when it comes to that. So if you have the wherewithal to be good with numbers to the point where you're like an actuary and you're doing all these amazing things and you could basically write your own check, le- check legally, I think they deserve that type of money because I know I can't do that type of shit. And I see people running around, you know, their heads are buried 24-7 working on these like financial products and manipulating them the right way. And it's just like if it's legal and you're doing these things because you just have the wherewithal to do them, I think, yeah, I think that's worth tons and tons of money. But obviously when you're dealing with sports, the line between entertainment and sport is very thin and that gets taken advantage of from the people that whose sole purpose is to make money and it has nothing to do with sport, which I think the NCAA is dealing with that horribly now because the amount yep. of revenue that they're losing because I mean, and the first two dominoes fell and I'm waiting for the big 12. Once the big 12 calls it, it's done because that's the South. That's where that majority South, that's where they're really holding out. But Pac-12 and the Big Ten just... Did you see this bullshit Nebraska was trying to do today? Yeah, I don't understand. I can't even understand where... How do you, how do you, if you can't see the writing on the walls and you just want to come off stubborn, then you're going to just... Just that. You're going to come off stubborn because I, I don't see it happening. Nobody wants to see a shorter season where it's just conference games. Oh. You know, if it's not at full blast, people aren't going to care, let alone students. So the, the bottom line is going to get deteriorated no matter what so going back to what you were saying doc is just yeah like the amount of money that these kids are worth and that they are bringing to the table is unbelievable and schools are now they're trying to make up for it by not having students come to campus at all because they know that just they're going to lose so much just by football season so and, that, and this is going to spark, uh, I think it was Stephen A, you said it the other day, this is going to spark, no matter what happens, in some way, you, um, students being represented, maybe not unions, but they're going to somehow get represented. They're going to take more of a stand for themselves. And I mean, that already started, what, uh, California? California, yeah. California two years ago. That already started. So that domino fell. But this is just going to cause even more things to happen for students to represent themselves and get some compensation for the amount of money that they're bringing to universities. It's insane. I think it's great, though. Yeah. I know Michigan's going to lose a bunch of money, but you guys aren't going to have a good season anyway. So, Hey, if we were playing an all-Big Ten schedule, we probably would have gone like... <laughs> Dude, <laughs> We'd have lost like one get, game. You just got to get rid of Harbaugh. And then we can stop talking NCAA because I know Doc's probably like, huh? We kind of talked about it one of the other times he was on where, you know, we kind of were trying to break down the math, I think, previously, where it's like, I think the the pseudo quote unquote fair thing to do would be to try to figure out a prorated amount where it's like, okay, this is what your your college education is worth. We'll deduct that. But I think like in the last one of the first times Doc and I were talking, we were we did bullshit numbers where it's like, okay, Michigan. One of the largest stadiums in college football in college football holds like 112,000 people or whatever. Just say the average ticket is, we'll say, 50 bucks. Now you do all the math, and it's like, okay, you're in the millions just from ticket revenue alone. How much of that, if you divvy that between the players or whatever, to kind of like, okay, you play this amount of games, and then like your your college is paid for, quote unquote. Then after that, we cut you a percentage of. But dude, Whatever. that's not where most. Dude, that ain't the money. The money is in sponsorships. And oh, for sure. And the TV deals. 
Yeah. But okay. I'm just saying, like, as one one revenue stream, like just that one. Well, but it should be about that. It should be about, I want to know who's getting the money now. Where does college. all the money go? The college I mean, puts that money in the bank. College gets the money. NCAA gets the money. I don't know all that March Madness money. Who ad money? Who's getting? Who's getting the CBS money? Where is it going? Take that money. Put it in the trust. However you want to figure it out. But you you know you need you, you need to hit these dudes off. Absolutely. I, I'm with you on on uh, on the first thing that you were saying that you guys said you came up with because. I think the biggest gripe for a lot of the students, a lot of the big name students is their naming rights. So yep. I think, I think it would be fair, especially if you're having college, it's like at the end of the day, they are college students and a good amount of money will go a long way. And I feel like that they, I don't know. I'm speaking. Like at the end of the day, they're college students. No, they're not. Yo, no, 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 if Zion goes for one semester, he ain't no damn college student. He's a professional athlete who is forced to go there. Because who was it that just bucked? Who just talking about that? Who the rules say he has he can't go to the NBA until he's nineteen. I guess yeah. Who was it that just went pro? I think it was like last year it was his rookie season. I can't remember who it was. He played the one year. His team like went to the I think the Sweet Sixteen, and like the, his tutor or whatever is like, all right, well like you got this exam. He's like, nah, fuck that. I'm done. Like I played my one season. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I don't give yeah. a shit about the fucking exams. Nothing. I can fucking fail out of college and it has no bearing on anything. I forget who it was, but I know like as soon as he got into the NBA, he was just like. This one and done shit should be fucking over. Like worst case, go overseas, make some money, prove your worth over there while you're still getting paid, and then come back over to the NBA and fucking make your money. You know what? You know what? The, you know what? That's you know what college. You know, at least with the, the NBA, it, it's like Ticketmaster, right? <laughs> like not bad. Not bad. They were no. If at a certain point you find one of the b- biggest keys, I found out, I find to making a bunch of money. It's to just be a middleman, right? Yeah. Oh, we, we, we nope. lost for a second. Yeah. So now at a certain point, I'm sure you needed Ticketmaster to like make these connections. But is there any real reason to, for Ticketmaster to exist? Like, why can't I just go to – if I'm going to the whiskey, why can't I just go to whiskey.com and buy tickets from there? Yeah. Why do I need – it's the internet. I don't need – but – they're a Ticketmaster. They've built this market share, and they so they're like, "Well, I'm a middleman. I'm not going to lose out." Once you get, you're the middleman, and you're getting paid. You can't just give it up. So you have to. It's the same thing as like a, a PayPal. Law. Would that be PayPal too? Um, to a degree, I guess. But PayPal, like, it's a good service. Like I use PayPal. It is an exchange, and there, it's a service, and they provide a service, and. I, I use it, so I guess it's that makes it that makes it valuable, right? But I'm just saying. But but what, what I'm saying, so the NCAA, like they were there, and they were that's what was just normal as you go to college, and now people are like, well, we don't have to, and they're like, but we're used to getting this money. Yeah. You can't just not, you just not use us. You know what I'm saying? So or it's like there's this law in New Jersey where you had to buy a car from a car dealership, and yeah. they were trying not to let them sell Teslas in New Jersey. And they're like, well, you have to have a dealership, but that's but only because it's like, it's a middleman. It's yeah. like, but I need to get my cut. It's like some mafia shit. Like, yo, I gotta get my fifteen percent. <laughs> Bumpy, fifteen <laughs> percent. Yeah, but that's it. You just figure out how to be a middleman, and then once you have power, you're like, well, I'm just gonna get my cut forever, just cause. Yeah. Do you think with the advent of a lot of developmental leagues across a lot of sports do you think we're going to see the traditional ncaa 
grooming, I guess, for lack of a better term, go away? I mean, I mean, it depends to what extent it's even going on right now. I think ultimately it's better for students or for young people to go to college for a couple of years to just mature, get that experience, being around people. I think, you know, there's traditions, you know, like there's something cool about going to Duke and being in the tournament. Like it's a good experience, but at the same time, you should be forced to do it. And uh, for some players, they're just, they're good enough. They just don't need to. And they're like, you know what? I can only make money for so long. And every minute I'm not making money, I'm that's money that I can never get back. Then you know you should do that, or I don't know, maybe draft them at a at a high school like baseball. And yeah, and then they go to college, and then they but they still get paid, and then they go to college and they come in when they want to. That seems like a decent model that would work for the NBA. The baseball yeah. model, yeah. But yeah, the whole idea is, well, they're not, if they're getting paid, they're not they're they're not pressure. But it's like Come you on, can't rob them. Up. We all know, we all know, like we all know that professionals in the NCAA at this point. You know what I mean? Like trying to play that facade is is just tired. It doesn't work anymore. People know what's going on. I mean, yeah. how many years? How many indictments or um, scandals or court cases are going to come every single year about taking taking gifts or taking? you know, monetary funds for services in the NCAA. Like, it's going to keep on happening. Like, that Zion Williamson one happened and went away like that, and I didn't even know the details about it. Like, and he was, like, the biggest name to come come into the NBA, but, you know, Listen, he obviously stepped in it a little bit. No one needs to say nothing about Zion. That dude brought more money to the, to the NCAA and Duke <laughs> than anyone. If they – they're like, yo, we literally gave this motherfucker, a, you know, an aircraft carrier or a fucking <laughs> – or a fighter jet. I'm like, yo, well, you didn't give him enough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> shut the hell up with Zion. It's like blue chips. Nah, it wasn't just yes. a oh, great movie. It was fully loaded. Well, what I'm saying is he is, you know, a guy like that comes around every 10 years, maybe, where they're just like, I, you know, I was barely watching college basketball. And it's like, Zion, I watched every game that was on yeah. TV. Hell yeah. yeah. That dude was. I got to catch one of his games back uh, this, this past uh, season. Uh, playing against uh, the Grizzlies, actually, against uh, Ja Morant. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Sounds great. Wish I was there, buddy. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll text you a, a, a video of him getting an alley-oop. It was amazing. Okay. And my wife was like, how would you know that was going to happen? I was like, I play a lot of 2K. <laughs> you, guys, you guys find more exciting to play uh, to watch right now, Ja or Zion? Well, I mean, Zion ain't done shit since the bubble started, so I guess I'm going to have to go to Ja Morant. <laughs> I, I was even going to say Ja just since the beginning of the season. He's just been so damn dynamic watching him play even though like zion is like you know he's gonna throw a few down that are just ridiculously hard but the things that that john moran can do i i just they're just fun nah, to watch nah yo, you guys are all wrong zion the, someone just throw the ball poorly to him and he'll just jump up and grab it and that'll be the whole only thing that happens and it's the craziest thing i've ever seen in my entire life there's Ne- I've never seen anyone like him. Because he's still ever. a teenager doing a go over grown ass men. Dude, the, dude, this <laughs> he did this one play in the preseason against the Knicks where he literally just <laughs> took the ball from Kevin Knox. Yeah, I remember. Just took the ball and just shit on him right in his face. And was like, like Kevin Knox is like a second year, third year player at that point. And you're just like, like, what's the point? Like this dude, no, this, I'll say, yo, Zion. 
the highest PR PER ever in the history of the NBA is like 32. Right? I think uh like Wilt Chamberlain had it or LeBron or something like that in that range. Zion's PR in college was 40. <laughs> this dude it shoots like 71% from the field. He comes in, he's like basically scoring like a point a minute in the NBA, shooting like 70%. Like, it makes no sense just what he can do. You know, it's like changes. Like, the key goes out there and the Pelicans win. And then doesn't get out there, they don't win. It's, dude, it's, and Ja's amazing. And if he's on the Knicks, I will basically <laughs> die happy. But, uh, but like, like I said, I feel like we've seen players like Ja, you know, we've seen Russell Westbrooks, we've seen Derrick Roses, um, but we have never seen anything like this. As long as he can stay healthy, which I, is that, a big question. It gets there me is. so nervous, man. His knees, I just, I straight up just watch his knees every single game because he is like sort of like pigeoned in. And it's just like, I'm just waiting for something to just rupture. And I'm just going to get up and just turn the TV off and disappoint me because it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one reason I wanted to go see a Pelicans game this year because I wanted to, thankfully, like he was playing because it, it is one of those situations where I feel like he's a, a one in a, generation kind of talent so to yep. be able to see him uh was really cool and the fact that like after the fact when i realized it was like oh shit like john morant's playing and that's pretty tight like potentially at the time the two rookie of the year candidates playing it one-on-one and you know pelicans happen to win that game but it's uh i don't know i feel like uh that's a big question mark on, on zion like if he can stay healthy he'll be amazing um Actually, watching, I know Doc and I are watching the same game right now. I think uh, the one that's been kind of surprising me lately has been Bol Bol. I can't believe how well he's actually been adapting to the NBA game. Everyone was talking about him. I don't even understand. Like, honestly, this, this shit is so depressing. When I see like Denver just pulling dudes off the scrap heap, <laughs> pick 20, <laughs> pick 58, and just immediately coming in, impact players. But, yo, Miami Heat, right? Someone like tried to get me, like, because I, I was like, when they signed uh, Jimmy Butler, I like tweeted, I was like, well, good luck being that perennial seven seed, right? And then people, do, and someone literally found my tweet from a year ago. I was like, yeah, look at you, you pretty feel pretty dumb now. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> because you could have predicted that the Miami Heat would find three draft picks between like. 15 and 40 that would all become starters and between the three of them would be average like 60 points a game or something like that you could have predicted that no motherfucker all right Spol- but saying, Miami Heat is has three starters they're rookies or three starter level players might even be more than that Denver's picking people 58 that are coming in and just doing crazy things. Nick's got lottery picks. They're like, man, I hope he get in the game. Nope. <laughs> Maybe yo, he might get some playing time today. I'm just like, yo. They're going to start going to the parks. Everybody's playing ball. They got nothing better to do right now. He might as well just go pick somebody off the damn street. God damn. I can't even be bothered with any New York team. The, the Rangers just get out into that thing nice and quick. Can't get shit done with, with Lundquist. And then you got Dude, I'm watching the, the Mavs Portland game. I'm like, here's Melo that they threw away. <laughs> Lighting people up. I'm guilty. You know what I'm, I'm Jab guilty. Step. I'm guilty. I want to know what's going on, though. I want to know I see Porzingis over there, 36 oh, points, grabbing rebounds, blocking shots. I'm like, I remember that guy. That was cool. That was nice. 
You know, who else? Who else in there? Oh, yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. hitting hitting threes. Michigan man. Even, even Trey Burke is getting playing time Ooh. with the Mavs. Yeah. But my Michigan point is, man. it's like just it's just like I'm like, man, those those guys look they were okay. That what why did you know I get you know I'm just it's just depressing. It's all I'm cool. Well, I mean Melo looks amazing. Like he looks like great. I'm like, this dude looks is like unstoppable. <laughs> What do you think it is? You think it's the you think it's the market of being in New York? You think it's the ownership? Like what do you it's think? The owner. Well, it's, it's, it's the all ownership. it's all that. It's the owner. Listen, with Melo, I actually think the reason why he was not out of the league, and I was thinking, I was like, oh yeah, it's like, oh Melo to the to the uh, to the Thunder, and he goes and plays with the guy with the highest usage rate of all time. Yeah, and you're like, wow, Melo sucks. He didn't work out, right? <laughs> then it's like, all right, I'll go to Houston. And I'll play with the other guy with the highest uh, usage rate yeah. of all time. And then, yeah. and then put well, them together. And then put them together. Yeah. Well, my, my point is, is like those were probably the two worst places he could ever could have gone, if you actually think about it. Yeah. And so if he was at a you know a place that was a little more egalitarian, a little more free flowing, I think it would be different. And you're kind of seeing like it's not like Dame isn't an alpha and he doesn't shoot a lot, but it's just a lot more opportunity. Like the ball just seems to move a lot. And he just, he's like kind of favored in the offense. He's like, not like, he's just given like kind of the green light and he gets a lot of post touches. And, and honestly this year he looks even better because his, his weight's down. So he just looks really mobile and quick, you know, and he kind of, if he can't be that mobile, he can't really play the three. Right. So I'm just I just can't believe just how smooth he looks. That turnaround to the left, I'm like, is that the smoothest turnaround to the left that anyone <laughs> has ever had? It's so sweet. Been working on it, doing it for decades at this point. Yeah, but it's just it's just it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah, I'm happy for him because he's one of the, he never really did anything wrong. Like if he was ever no. in the headlines, he was it was never for anything negative. Even when he the Knicks were sucking and he was still throwing up as many shots as a game as he was, then that would drive me nuts. I always rooted for the guy because he's just a good dude. So seeing him having success on the back end of his career, I think it's radical. Well, listen, I just think he was never a great defender. Yeah. Kind of a ball stopper. And that's going to turn off a certain kind of basketball fan. And I get it. I understand it. I, mean, I called him Stacy Patton. You guys seen Eddie. He was Stacy Patton to me. Every time towards the end of his time in, in the Knicks, I was like, get Stacy Patton off the fucking court. I'm tired. Is that from Celtic Pride? <laughs> I remember it. Is that something Pride? No, that's uh, Eddie. Eddie, yeah. With uh, with, oh, with Goldberg. Goldberg. Yep. I was like, like what? When, when Gary Payton looks in the limo, he's like, not from back in the limo, you not. Come out back. <laughs> Bring your game. Listen up, street boy. Stacey Patton, whoop your ass. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I've, heard I've, I've definitely seen part of that movie, but I don't I don't remember it, If whatever wow. I did do. That surprises me. That really surprises me. <laughs> I mean, Celtic Pride's better though. At least it's funnier. Either of you catch, I'm sure Doc did. Uh, either of you catch uh, Uncut Gems? Oh hell yeah! Oh, I saw it. Yeah, the ending of that the the game that was in question. I was like, well, I already know how this game ends because I remember watching <laughs> yeah, it. Like, yeah. did that ruin that for you? Either of you? Like that you and like unless they were going to revision history, it like you're like I already know how this game ends. Well, I wasn't sure because I didn't know which game in the series it was. I think it was um, Game Seven, wasn't it? But, I, but you can literally just. Look it up if right. you wanted to, um, but I didn't know which game in the series it, it, it was. Um, I, mean, I did say to myself in the movie, I'm like, well, I know Celtics win, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. By the way, you know they were trying to get um, 
what's his name? Uh, Am- originally supposed to be Amari Stoudemire. Really? That would have been weird. No, it was bad. He's bad at like just talking in regular life, let alone having to act. <laughs> well, you know, I think the Knicks uh, is good, and I'm good, and that's more good. Would have been bad. Like Kevin Garnett, that's like the perfect dude, you know. Because first of all, he still looks like he's still playing. Yeah. For one, the dude doesn't age. You know, he's in great shape. So. And uh, yeah, and he's just like he's acting every day in life. Just he's just a personality, so it's perfect, perfect guy to get. And yeah. you, you would believe he would do that outlandish shit too. Yeah, I think the funny yeah. thing is, is at the end of the movie, all I can think of was the line from White Man Can't Jump, where I was like, just a, a Rosie Perez over, like over narration of like, sometimes when you win, you really lose. <laughs> sometimes when you lose, you really you lose. actually win. And I was sometimes like, when you win or lose, you actually win or tie. Lose. You actually tie. You tie out. That's all I can think of. Was I was like, this is just like an alternate version of white men can't jump. <laughs> is that when he throws the water in her face after she says that dumbass yeah. shit? Yeah, yeah. Good. Actually, Good. The, the water Good. one was uh, when she's no, like, she "I'm thirsty." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she had that comment. I, I would not tolerate that woman at any point in that movie. I'm like, okay, okay, you look good, but other than that, get to get to stepping. All right. Even though he was the worst part of that, I mean, just every Hello. time. Every time when he's having the dunk contests, and he's, it's just like it, it breaks your heart every time. I mean, let's be real; it was just a toxic relationship from the beginning. They probably shouldn't have been together. No, they were not compatible. <laughs> but first off, let's talk about why is she? She owes the money to the Stuky brothers, not him. Yeah. Right. And then her whole thing is, I'm just not going to work. Nah, she wanted to be on Jeopardy. Training for Jeopardy. Training. No, no. train at night. Worked on day. Five foods that started with the letter Q. You can pay back to Snoopy's. Yeah, that makes no sense that you can train for Jeopardy. You do not know the questions. There's no just. What is this? This is a book of general knowledge. Arbitrary (laughs) information. Yeah, I'm just gonna bone up on stuff. No, you train your whole life for fucking Jeopardy, not currently. (laughs) Every second of every day is no you 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 are general egghead and you just know shit about the earth and then you go on jeopardy you know there's not there's no training for jeopardy i'm sorry they had it for what about training for a spelling bee can you train for a spelling bee yes okay there's only so many hard words all right all right doc knows like three of them verisimilitude (laughs) copious copious that movie bad words bad words yeah. uh, uh what's his name um dude from uh ozark what the hell's his name jason bateman yeah he uh enters a handful of uh young kids spelling bees through a loophole <laughs> just to get back to his dad who runs like the spelling bee coalition is this like is. the ringer but for like smart people more or less but dude it's <laughs> it's crass but like in the best funny way possible and jason bateman plays the exact jason bateman character that he always plays so it makes it even better. But he's not always an. He seems like he's an asshole in this movie. He's not always an asshole. He's smug. No. He's smug. He's always smug. Oh. Even in unnecessary roughness. Do you always. remember him being in unnecessary roughness? How long ago that was? Fuck. Yeah, it was, I saw it in the theater. Ninety three. Did you? Yeah, I saw no shit, man. I I take it to the streets, all right? <laughs> Dude, I cannot believe he's been acting for that long. And that movie was like one of my favorites when I was a kid. God damn. Well, that's like Scott fucking uh, American Hero. 
That's like that? fucking what's his Scott face? Scott Bakula, American hero. Yeah. Scott Bakula from Sinbad's Sinbad's role in that movie. Perfect. Know. We're going to party. Kathy <laughs> Ireland. That's like uh when you realize that uh E from Entourage is in Rocky Five. And Beverly Hillbillies. Yep. <laughs> what is he in Rocky Five? He's the bully kid that beats up a uh, Rocky's kid. Oh, is that funny when you're the bully, right? When you're like 12 years old, but then he never grew from being 12 years old. <laughs> That's a joke right there. <laughs> Dude, he's from he's from the town that I'm living in right now. He owned a bar down the block. He's one of those dudes that just looks like you know he had five kids and a drinking problem when he was like 14. Just like he had the same old man Irish bar owner face. Rosy, <laughs> rosy shit. Always looks like he yeah. just woke up, has a cough. Looking old and young at the same time, man. Pick a pick, <laughs> pick a decade. Benjamin Button ass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! You reminded me when you said the Amari Stoudemire thing, like couldn't act. I was like, it's almost like he would be the the after the monsters took all of his uh, his skills and shit. That would be what you'd be left with for uncut gems. Listen, man, that dude, good player, but just you know, was he? <laughs> he was. He was a good player when you know up until the injuries, man. That guy in the right system, man. Twenty and ten all 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 day, you know. Uh, athletic freak and yeah. could hit that. His seventeen foot jumper, wet, wet, hard H. Okay. You know who I'm like the most excited is back in the league, especially during this shit is uh. J.R. Smith. Actually, I think uh, Skuzz and I were. I texted him. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, I need to get a. I need to get a Hennessy, Hennessy Smith, uh, fucking Lakers jersey. I was beside myself when I saw that signing. I'm like, come on. Like, you think LeBron did that just for the fun of it? Hell yeah. No, no, you guys, you guys are wrong. All right. I mean, he's great. Smith comes off the bench, warmed up. All right. If you could, if someone goes down, you put him in the game, and I guarantee you, he will hit. Some threes and play some defense, and that's all you need. Yeah, he's a ball of energy and he's a yeah. good player, but it's like I couldn't, it was hard for me to take that shit seriously. I was like, dude, like I feel he's like not playing is- though. Yeah, he is. I mean, well, not, not right. really. He's now. not he's not getting playing time, but it's he's there just in case. In case, like uh, you know, what's his name? Uh KCP or you know, one of them dudes goes down. I just yeah. want to see him run around for another like three months with no shirt on after they win a championship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, LeBron, why your jersey look different than mine? <laughs> what day is it? Yo, where's the trophy, Jr.? Actually, speak, speaking of that meme, I heard that they're not testing in the bubble for weed for the NBA. Hey man, if you want to keep you, everybody there, yeah. If you, don't test if, the weed. if you can't listen, if you can't bring your girl, you gotta give these dudes something. <laughs> You want to keep the friggin' league going? Don't test for weed. Why? By the way, why would they test for weed anyway? Like literally, by for certain, it ain't performance enhancing. <laughs> it's just gonna make you lazier. Look at James like, Smith. <laughs> but like, no, but think about it. So you're saying I'm a don't use player. weed after the game? I can literally drink an entire bottle of Jack Daniels, but I can't. That makes no sense. Yeah. Like I can literally kill my brain cells, get so messed up that I, I like. Shot at at practice the next day because I would like it makes no sense at all. Like it's a hard job. All right, let them relax. I'm actually surprised. The weed, weed. <laughs> you ever suck some dick for weed? <laughs> huh? 
Well, uh, I think this is <laughs> about running its course, although I could probably start quoting movies left and right. And it's, uh, by the way, I love these gangster-ass uh, Clippers jerseys that they're wearing currently. This uh, black on white with the Los nice Angeles. Nice jerseys. Yeah. Back ah, those are clean. I love them. I think, I think my favorite retro jerseys are the old, uh, the Trailblazer ones. The old Trailblazer. The Clyde the Glide specials. Well, keep in mind, these are not retro jerseys. These are city jerseys. Yeah, these are city jerseys. Well, different. What are, all right, I don't know the difference. A, all right, a city jersey is a specialty jersey that gets released every year. That's a little different. Not every year for every team, but it's they're only two years old. So okay. teams will make like a special, you know, a special jersey that's kind of relative to the local yeah. area. So every team has has them. So there's some really – I have a couple myself, and that's the – that's their city jersey for this year. They had a different one last year, right? I'm yeah. just saying in general, like if they, whenever they do throwback jerseys, I think my favorite one is the is the trail. Well, I'm just saying these are not throwback; they're new. Throwback indicates they're old. True, you got me on that one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you you always do. No, I'm just on that thing. I'm just saying. There's, I mean, sometimes just throwback. These just, these just aren't it. By the way, I got a throwback uh, Suns jersey from like the '90s. Who'd you get, Marley? No, I got Nash. It's fucking badass, though. I got it in uh in China. In uh, China, I was in France. <laughs> That's where it came no, from. Italy. <laughs> I was in Italy, and I got that one, and then I got the uh, Steph City jersey. The, With Golden the weird Sport. tree thing. Oh, it's the town. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Circling, circling back to the uh, to the documentary, they forgot how good that Phoenix Suns team was. Not me. All the household names on that team. In those, what was it the the conference championship or the finals? Finals, finals, yeah. All the household names on that team, ridiculous, absolutely insane, and I completely forgot about it. That was probably the best team I think of all the teams they faced in the in the, in the finals, but it's kind of a joke compared to like how good the teams are now. Where it's yeah. like, the you know, the Miami Heat goes play the Spurs with like five Hall of Famers on the team. Yeah. It's like, oh, Tony Parker and Tim Duncan and Kawhi Leonard. And Mato Ginobili, and it's like their third best players like made an All Star team once yeah. on the Suns. Like, well, actually, yeah, technically, Dan Marley is going to be able to really hold it, hold it together. Yeah. Dan Marley is just like a league average player right now, and he was an All Star during that team. But you had like someone like Tom Chambers, who was a formerly an All Star, but he wasn't in his prime anymore. You had, you know, was it a? Cedric Sabalos on a team. What I'm saying, yeah. you see Danny ain't 37 year old Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge yeah. playing like 30 minutes a game. Your team is struggling. I'm just saying. <laughs> Can you imagine Danny Ainge in the game trying to guard step, uh, Russell Westbrook? <laughs> Can you imagine? Think about this. You're Michael Jordan, and you're like, oh, I got Danny Ainge <laughs> and six foot one ass Kevin Johnson guarding me. Yo, think about the people this dude was like was guarding. It was like Joe Dumars, 6'3. John Starks, 6'3. Fucking what's his name on the uh, Utah Jazz? Uh Stockton. Well, no, Hornacek. Hornacek. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. So he got Hornacek guarding this dude. And you're like, oh wow, Jordan had 57. I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> it wasn't until you know, yeah, Gary Payton D'ing him up sometimes, and you yeah. had you know, Reggie Miller, a couple tall dudes, but it's like now, if he had to play the Warriors, it'd be Draymond, Draymond and Clay and Iguodala and, well, and <laughs> Kevin Durant. Like, it was just arms. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
wouldn't would not be would not be easy. Wouldn't wouldn't be like Hornacek down there. I agree. I agree. I you still think. Had, yeah. I was gonna say I think one of my favorite teams, and like I know this is like a, a shitty way to use as a barometer, but uh, I I really do think that '96 uh, Seattle team was really underrated. Like Hershey Hawkins, uh, Detlef Schramm, like they had some really great like role players that did really well. That it's like if you were willing to let either Peyton or Kemp kind of do their damage, you had perimeter players that were able to kind of you know shoot on the wings and so forth, or or put it on the floor as well. Um, I, I don't think that that necessarily gets as much love for some of their role players as, as some of the other. Because the tr- Listen, here's the truth. There's none of these dudes like Gary Payton was a good player. Sean Kemp was a good player, but what was Sean Kemp being today's league? Like the 25th, 25th best guy, like in terms of skill, yeah. you know, they're like Gary, Pay- Gary Payton wasn't getting you 30 a night. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Sean no, Kemp, like a, he's either. like Beverly, Patrick Beverly. Be kind well, of no, player. he was he's a Hall of Famer, dude. He ain't like a <laughs> yeah. dude was getting you, you know 20 I mean? a night. More of an in your yeah, all right. He was getting no. you 20. That my, my point is it it wasn't um, you know, it wasn't like a Westbrook. It wasn't, it's not a James Harden. Like I said, James Harden's like, you know, think about it. Luka Doncic is better, is like miles better than either of those, those guys. And he's like the best guy on like the 10th best team. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. like, we're, yeah, they were good teams, but they're not as good as the teams are now. Yo, LeBron James in 2012 and the Miami Heat went against a team that would ultimately have three MVPs on it. Yeah. Do you know how crazy that is? Yeah. That shit is crazy. I mean, even the Toronto Raptors, who who were like not even favored, you got Kawhi, who's a Hall of Famer. You got uh, Marcus All, who's probably going to go in the Hall of Fame, multiple-time All-Star. You know, you got uh, what's his name, uh, Kyle Lowry, who's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. Said Clint, <laughs> or you know, or be at least a you know a fringe fringe person that that will go to the Hall of Fame. You got uh, what's his name, who made the All-Star team this year? The, go go uh, guys, your arms. Who's that? Uh, no, uh, Pascal. Siakam. Siakam all-star you know you got you know you just got random dude you know and then and then you know uh like you said uh abaka who's like one of these kind of like all-star type role players right he's like horace grant on crack right it's like you know (laughs) he's like you know so i'm just saying like even a team like that whereas the warriors at the beginning of the season literally started a team that had five all-stars starting which hasn't happened in 40 years yeah game game's completely different I'm no, I'm just saying there's just more talent. Like that was and that was probably the best era of since then was that early 90s time kind of but the first, you know, but said but Jordan almost never even had to go up a team that even had two Hall of Famers on it with the exception of the Utah Jazz. Don't don't say that. People will get real mad at you for for bringing that up. I'm saying they were good teams but, you know, it's like Clyde Drexler, right? On his way down. He was he was the best team player on the Trailblazers. And then who was their second best player? Couldn't even tell you. Could not even tell exactly. you. Exactly. Terry, Terry, what's his name? Exactly. Kevin Duckworth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I mean, so but what I'm saying is by the time Clyde won a ring, he wasn't he was the second best player. And Clyde was great. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like, is like Bradley Beal better than Clyde Drexler, who didn't even make an all-star team? Dude averaged 30. Wow. Think about it. 
Like, be like, if you have to, yo, go one on one, Clyde Drexler versus Bradley Beal. I think it'd probably be pretty damn close. Well, I think about have you had this conversation or this debate? The 2012 Dream Team versus what the 96 or the 92 Dream Team? Um, I think the more interesting question. Had a lot of big men on that that first Dream Team. I've had it before, and you just have to go position position, and then like break it down, dude versus dude. Because if you want to, so I have a better. So I have a better thing. All right, which is. You can look at the teams, yeah, but to a certain degree, there are players on those teams that – so the 92 team feasibly could have had Shaq and Isaiah Thomas on it, right? So yeah. let's say you take Chris Mullen off the team or even Stockton and put Isaiah Thomas, and then you take Christian Leitner off and you put Shaq, right? But then you look at the 2012 team, and there's a couple of players there where where certain people didn't, didn't play, right? Like – uh you know, Duncan could have been on that team, or I have to I have to look at, at, at the list right right now. But the 2012 team, um, you know, you basically you have just look at this. So look at the top three. So you got 92, you got Jordan, Magic, and Bird, but Bird's old as hell and shot. But 2012, you got LeBron, Kobe, and Durant. Now, who are you taking? Now, if you, if you talk about what age they're at, Bird was kind of shot. But if you say, well, all in their prime, you know, it's kind of. Yeah. Do you know that, I can't Scott, do you know there's a website where they have this actual debate up and they have it broken down? Who's starting for each of the teams? So, like, right now I'm looking at the point guards. Chris Paul versus Magic Johnson. Uh, Paul was averaging 18, almost 19 points, nine assists, all that kind of stuff. Magic averaging more uh more across the board so they're like oh johnson has the uh, shooting guard kobe versus uh jordan small forward pippen versus james power forward barkley durant centers uh ewing versus dwight howard well well dwight well 2012 dwight i don't know what year you're looking at dwight howard didn't play in 2012 so i'm looking at dwight howard wasn't dwight howard wasn't there but tyson chandler was what i was saying if you just get the best players of that era you could actually make this team even better. That's what I was saying. If you kind of yeah. played that game, so you know, if you replace peak Dwight Howard with or Chandler with peak Dwight Howard, all of a sudden that's probably a better team. But you say, okay, the centers are way better on the on the ninety two team. It's not even close, right? But the question is, if you're playing, if they're running up and down and shooting threes and pulling these dudes out the paint. It's kind of a different, different game. It's a, it's 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 a different game. I mean, there's barely yeah. There's literally one center on this 2012 team. But then look at the look at the point guard situation: Darren Williams, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, and you do you got Anthony Davis, and he wasn't the Anthony Davis we know now, but just based on who he was, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, you know. So I I do think actually overall, the 92 team two team is a little better because I do think just the size. And you know, you know Jordan Barkley, some of those dudes, you know, and where they were in there at that time. But I think it'd be an amazing game. Yeah, I'd love to see some. I'm hoping this the simulations get really good, where you could actually, you know, make a, a simulated version six that shit. What's that? Uh, Rocky six that shit. Yeah, why not? Some a little, some a little better than Michael Phelps versus Shark. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, you never saw that shit. What is it? Michael Phelps versus Shark. Oh yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> that's the dumbest <laughs> fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. That's just yeah. no. 
Either of you guys catch that uh, documentary on Showtime about PG County in D.C.? Mm-hmm. About what? It's called uh, It Must Be in the Water or It's in the Water. It's about uh, PG County in D.C. where like Duran grew up. No. And uh, I can't remember all the names. You guys are way more knowledgeable about basketball than I am. But it's about this one county where half the high schools are responsible for dozens of NBA players because We lost you. You got garbage internet, all right? <laughs> bus, there you bus. go. Put your internet together, right? Stop buying shit for your I new house. Take a shower. I just, I'm out of it. I just got home. Seriously, we got mics. We got headphones. You got nothing over there. You both run podcasts. I you don't. Can, you could have the Scuzz podcast. The Scuzz cast. Oh, you, yeah. you don't got headphones. I'm going to get no you got headphones? there to talk about nothing. You don't got headphones? You don't got a mic? No. Uh, okay. Yeah, I got, I got both those things just somewhere... I just I just got a house. I didn't even move all the way in yet, man. This whole thing's been hell. Ask him; he knows. It's just been miserable. So you can say this is hell. All oh, right, asshole. Uh, <laughs> anyway. anyway, so this county in D.C. like super impoverished, but they spent a buttload of money on making um, like youth centers, and these mm-hmm. youth centers are almost what populated all of AAU uh, tournaments and stuff like that. So all these teams that were created from these youth centers would be, join the AAU tournaments and they'd all be from the same area in the DC area. Cause it got so competitive because there were so God many damn, youth centers. So Casella, and, like a bitch. Yeah. Like Durant, you got, I'm losing all the names right now, but it's worth, worth a shot. And it talks about so many ridiculous players that were all the same age, all coming from the same area into the NBA. It's pretty so rad. The only thing like that with Kevin Durant attached to it that I saw was that Netflix documentary on the basketball team in uh, like a maximum security prison. No idea. Hmm. No, Showtime for some reason has an inordinate amount of D- documentaries about basketball. <laughs> I don't know why, but you know they're just they're, they're supporting the brothers. You know what I'm saying? They got they got a lot of documentaries. I've watched almost none of them, but you know at some point. <laughs> My favorite was he got yeah, game. That's Gary? a great documentary. Is there a specific one about Gary Payne on there? No, there's one about Ben Simmons though about oh. like his decision. It's called like, behind the line. Something about the co- like just about college. Um, uh, well, I think it's called One and Done, actually, about the whole like process of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you right. know, deciding where he went to school. But there's a, there's a lot on there for some reason, I don't know why. Yeah. Sure, time's trying to dominate the documentary niche, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they ain't doing shit else than otherwise, yeah. I don't know, man. Billions is a good show, I haven't seen it. Making my way yeah. through How to Get Away with Murder. I'm on the last season of Vikings. All right, guys. I'll just say this: um, when we start kind of talking about what we're watching at t- times, yeah, we'll jump, to jump in the shark, right? So come yeah. on, come on, guys. No one gives a shit. Well, this is where Doc uses his expert podcasting technique to uh, bring it back. <laughs> oh, I had to. Cut, I had Jason Sukoff on my show, and this motherfucker started talking about what he was watching, asked me what I was watching. I'm like, yo, bro. This one, but not what motherfuckers tuned in for. We're, I canceled the podcast, and I was like, "Yo, we're gonna come back when we reschedule." His ADD got the best of him, you know. And I was like, "No, no, what, no, no, no." What is one of the like? I mean, I know your show is a little bit different. Like, you're not having necessarily publicists pitch you sh- like people, and you're not like having to focus on can't talk about this, can't talk about these things. Focus it on the, you know the new record, whatever. <laughs> Has there been one though that you've done where you're like, I don't even think I can put this out. No. I mean, any anytime I thought I had a bad show, I'll go back to listen to it, and it's turned out okay. 
Um, do you edit much? It, it doesn't I don't really hear a lot of editing points where I can tell like you've edited. Not very often. It really just depends on what the show is. There's some stuff where it's a uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said that, or maybe uh the guest will ask me to take something out, but it's fairly minimal. Jealous. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't I've literally like I ju- just don't pretty much if someone's making the rounds, they have an album out, I don't want to talk to them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, like I did it a little bit recently, but it was people I already wanted to talk to. So it just happened to coincide with that. But like I could have Phil and Tom on my show and they're like, well, we want to talk about the record. I'm like, well, that's not what I want to talk about. So if we're not going to talk about what I want to talk about, then he's not going to be on my show. So it's just, you know, I don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> I don't want to. I Seriously, I'm not there to serve your agenda and promote your album. I'm here to tell a story. So the irony that- is, though, is a couple of times that that's happened. I'm very cognizant of trying to stick to that thing like hey ivan moody's gonna like doing the rounds to talk about his weed company that he started or whatever and i'm like whatever i'll take it for the name and my wife's ordered in the industry of pharmaceuticals and so forth so i can at least kind of bullshit my way through it but it yeah, was I mean, like it was kind of interesting though like i'll see people like that do other shows and someone will ask like in the last two minutes like so you you know talk about the thing they're supposed to and i'm like fuck man like you can do that no one's gonna get mad at you <laughs> i mean all you can do is try i just don't i just don't care like i'd rather you know i probably could get bigger guests you know more famous people but it's just not that interesting to me to just like you know service kind of this industry i'd rather talk to people that no one's talking to and have conversations no one's having even if it's gets less numbers like the the episode i just put out today with uh dale restigini the uh, i was actually about to ask you about that because the director yeah um because he's just a he's just an interesting guy with an interesting background and and says interesting things and we can talk about bigger things than just guitar riffs you know and so that might not get as many you know downloads as another episode with a more known person from a band and i have to kind of balance that but for me it's just more fertile ground you know and it's just more interesting so that's where i'm you know so it's it's a balance because i still have to kind of feed that element as well as having artists that people know because that's ultimately what draws people into the show so yeah Yeah, i was looking forward to listening to that one with dale because uh, it's solid. It's good for his movie. is insane. Yeah, we talked the whole second half of the podcast is all about that. So nice. we get into it. Yeah, hey, I, here too. Not far. It's been kind of funny because, like, I think I, I had someone actually complain about my Jesse from Kill Switch episode, and they're like, "Why don't you talk about Kill Switch?" And I was like, "That if you listen to the first like ten seconds, I was like, we're gonna talk about everything but Kill Switch. Like, dude's been around the, for fucking twenty years and." There's so many things he's done. Like, let's talk about that. Like, because no one ever talks about that. And I was like, so even that, even when I preface and say, like, this is the crux of the whole like show, someone someone's still bitching that they're like, we well, didn't talk about Kill Switch. And it's like, thanks. You should get Jesse on, though. I think you'd probably do way better than I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, you know, Jesse's definitely been on my list, but it's kind of the same thing. Like, he also does a lot of stuff. So I almost like if someone's doing a lot of stuff, you know, I don't want to just have them on just to have them on. Um, but I listen, I know, you know, me and Jesse go deep. Like, I imagine if he comes on, we'll probably do like three hours because we did about two. So, probably really uh, easy for you guys to chop it up. You know, um, 
and we go we go way back man and he's just he's 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 one of those dudes but i just try and like you said if someone's like out there a lot i almost don't want to have him on the show at that current time if that makes sense like I, i'm very yes. like counter to what's going on you know i almost i want to talk to joel like no one talks to joel come on the show motherfucker. <laughs> i want to talk to people no one's talking to i find it, i think it's more interesting yeah he's interesting <laughs> to talk to i'll talk i'll talk to nobody dog holler i don't know you <laughs> damn dude that hurt were you are you that hurt <laughs> what, what, uh, who, who is your uh white whale currently um because in light of the, the episode you did with uh that you dropped like what two weeks ago with uh god i'm really terrible with names um Oh, the foreign dude, the German dude, uh, from oh, uh, Dolphin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was, I was so psyched about that. It's like that was a great episode. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, I mean, probably Newstead. You know, for the theme. Mm. You know, yeah. uh, you know, because there's kind of a a list of of people I have that I'm just kind of kind of working through. You know, but you know, it's not really one person. I would I would say, you know, it's not like oh, I need to talk to this one person that's gonna make it happen for me there's just a you know handful of people i, I want to speak to and i know for the most part i'll get it done it's just a matter of time you know and some people just you know i mean you when you deal with like really really big bands you know they you know i've heard like a very similar thing it was like yeah well we're not doing press right now which is like so because there's it's just a bigger thing where they just can't do an interview randomly actually probably actually no no the white whales grow that's the white whale. Mm. So, all right, you know, probably will never happen, but you never know. I don't know. You're at least within the circle. I think uh, mm. my friends uh, for the Nomads thing. I remembered that I was like, "Hey, remembered somebody else is kind of uh, proximity wise about as close as you you are to Grohl at this point." And I was like, "Hey, you're the like publicity publicity firm for like you know some of these DWP festivals. Like, is there any way you could like maybe get this in front of Dave? Because I feel like he would support this thing if he were to see it. Because it, it just seems like something he'd do. And they're like, "Oh yeah, we'll send it to his people." And I was like, "Okay, cool, thank you." And then I was just like, "Mention my podcast." <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm very kind of aware about some of this stuff because I I think not even I think I know it's just the more famous someone is, the more their time is demanded of. Um, so you kind of have to be careful about. Um, you know, utilizing your favors and your connections to kind of do those things. So I'm, I'm very, you know, I, I, I really try and go away not to bother people too much, you know. Um, and I want it to be casual. I don't want it to be press. It's not press for me. Right. I'm not here. Like I said, I'm not here to promote your fucking album. You know, I will. Uh, you know, I will. It's, it's about for me. It's about you know, just making connections and telling stories and that's that's really all it's all it's about and everything else like i had someone who, I, who was like a key person that i thought was important to have on the show and they're like yeah you know i'm just doing a lot of press it's like the fact that they saw my show as press oh, I think you tell me who it was and uh it like pissed me off and i was like you know what i'm i'll literally never ask you to be on my show ever again you know because i just don't you know and i'll probably and i'll probably get a publisher's like oh would you like to have this person i was like no i'm good you know, because I just don't, you know, it's it should be about the personal element, not about this like uh like it shouldn't be work. If it's work, I don't want I don't want anyone to do my show that doesn't want to do it. You know what right. I'm saying? At all. Like I don't I don't want it to feel like uh 
a chore. chore. It, should, it should be yeah. fun. It's like we're having fun. We're just bullshitting, you know. And it's like, and if uh, it was not fun, don't do it. Don't do like it. Now, I feel like it might be easier these days to get somebody that you really want because it's easy to be visible. So if you just throw it at the wall, said person could just check it out and see, you know, the format and what your podcast is all about. Yeah, like, it's just. Doc, like, well, you gotta oh, understand. Let me actually jump on that and talk. To yeah, them. but they're just getting asked. Everyone's here's the thing. Everyone's starting a fucking podcast. Yeah. Everyone has something, and they're getting asked a million times to do a million things, and they just don't have all the time. So if you're gonna take that shot, you gotta make sure it's at a particular juncture where there's a real shot to do it, because you might not get a chance again, yeah. where you're just being an annoying person. So you know. So I just keep I with that. There's even a lot of my friends who I don't really bother too much because and it's the same thing if someone doesn't want to do the show if they say they don't really want to do it i will never ask them again i'm not into that so well i guess that's as good as any because any, now you're making me feel bad for taking up so much of your time that's right, right. my children are hungry <laughs> and he did just ask who the hell i am so yeah so. <laughs> who are you who are you do you know who you are this is no. like a it's like a. Uh, I've been trying to figure it out for the past six months, dog. You got no fucking clue. You got a new house. I know that. Come kick it, dude. Big shot. Anytime you want to come, man. Both of y'all. Long, Long Island. Long Island. Dude, we were at. Yeah, I was at Long Island not that long ago, and you were too busy. Yeah, we were on it. Was that the tour that started and stopped in Philly? Sure. I don't yeah. know. I don't remember. I don't know. All right, well, fellas. Y'all be good. Be good, Docs. Good to see you. Keep it real. Yeah, I will, of course, get you on my show. Some point. I'm just, good. It's all good. A lot of ducks in a row. I gotta, get, the big, get the big ducks first. If you need no. a duck randomly, call, call this duck. It's because it's a layup. <laughs> you. You. Right. I actually heard if you buy his merch, uh, you, you, it moves you up into the line of uh, oh, getting on the show. It does. It just stops you from getting slapped in the chest. <laughs> I forgot that was the crux of it. You get slapped in the chest. That's right. Don't get slapped in the chest. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to finish this basketball game. Good talking to you All both. Right, fellas. Be good. Ah. So that was it. Uh, kind of all over the place and uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, I know we didn't get to the giveaway of the Wawa gift card, so I'll just do a post on uh, Instagram or something, and uh, it'll be shared across the socials. And uh, – Try to give it away next week. Um, I'll figure out something. Probably just do some like ratings or reviews or some bullshit and uh, go from there. So thanks for checking it out. If you did, uh, thanks to Doc for taking the time. Thanks for Scuzz for joining last minute. That was a fun thing I, I planned this morning uh, once Dan wasn't able to join. And uh, go support the X-Men podcast. Um, it's one of my favorite podcasts out there. I, obviously, Doc is very well-informed and uh, articulate host and uh, makes for some really great episodes. So without further ado, I'm done. We'll talk to you all next time.